every night at about 10:30 or so, I'll decide to go one final bathroom break before I put her away for the night. She's one year old, okay, or one and a half. This is what she does to me. She immediately goes outside. Great, that's easy. That's the easy part. Ten minutes later, because it shouldn't take longer than ten minutes, I assume she's ready to come in, but she's not at the back door. So I go outside and um, I, I look around and I'm like, bear, 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 like bear, bear, where are you? Of course, she's not going to run away. She's too tiny for that. She's scared of other dogs, um, but she's nowhere to be found. So bear is a black, black golden doodle. She is as dark as night. There's no other color on her. Her skin is a shade of black and she will disappear on you. And you think that she's down the neighborhood, somewhere else, nowhere near you, but she's always about two feet in the backyard. That's the game that she plays. You will go out and go towards our pool, and you're thinking, like, where's she at? She's not there. Or you assume she's not there. You'll go towards our trampoline. You assume she's underneath the trampoline where it's the darkest in our backyard. She's not there. I will spend 20 minutes of frustration looking dog where I want to hurt it. I want to dock its tail in like punishment, even though I know that sounds really mean. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, bear, where are you? Sudden, out of nowhere, dog becomes a ninja and will jump. She pounces. She plays hide and seek with you. She assumes at 1030 at night, this is her time to have fun. And so what she does is she will jump and she does this thing where she will jump and then slap box you. I don't know where she got it from, but she will come up and go, pop, 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 pop. And then she'll book it and hide again. <laughs> Trust me, frustration. I'm like, if I get a hold of you, it's, you're done. You are so done. And I look for, for her where I disappear to. Instantly, she is not. She will, I, like I said, she will hang out about two in any shadow or any dark space you can ever imagine, and she will jump. This will happen about 10 times before I can. 10 times. 10 times. This is exactly how depression is. Depression, those that have had it majorly, those that have had struggles with depression, will tell you it is like a black dog that will jump and pounce and be like a ninja on you at any you think that it, not, it doesn't exist, and you think that it's nowhere to be found, and instantly out of nowhere, boom, you're hit with it. And you assume, like, those that, that really have never struggled with depression, they think, oh, you're just sad. It is not sadness. It is not. It goes deeper than that. It goes into hopelessness. It goes into uh, darkness and, and being alone and feeling isolated and feeling uh, a numbness inside. Like I saw pictures this week. I was looking at some art that is uh, relating to depression. And like the one that, that was the closest to me was this person's picture of a, and from here up, just a massive black cloud. You just feel alone. And you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know when it's going to hit you. You're afraid. That, that, how depression feels. It's a big deal. It, it can cut and it can cripple and it can mess with you and it can leave you hopeless and it can leave you in despair. And here's what we're going to talk about today is depression. 
And I really pray that we find healing and hope in this. It's a major deal. And here's my prayer. Proverbs 12, 20 says, maybe, we had it a minute ago. Anxiety in the heart can cause depression. The anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Fear, stress, worry, loneliness, coming in, all of that, but a good word makes it glad. And, and if you've ever battled with depression, you're like, no, 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 wait, wait. A good word doesn't fix it. Oh, a good word doesn't. No, 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 I agree with you on that. But at the same time, the word of God. This is this holy word. This is a powerful word. And I believe that if he says a good word can make the heart glad, there's possibility that your heart can come out of depression. I believe that. And I believe that his, his good word is this powerful truth that his live, uh, live and active word can, can eradicate anxiety and depression inside of each and every one of us. So that's, that's the hope today is that we find a good word. But I want to pray. Prayer is always important. I always want to go to God first. So let me pray and then we'll get going on this. God, um, I ask that you do whatever you want to do in this discussion. I ask that you open up our eyes, open up our hearts, and that are battling with this struggle. I pray that they get a good word in what you talk about this morning, and that they find freedom, they find healing, they find help, they find hope. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So depression. I said that it doesn't. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter your age. I've seen little kids have depression. I've seen... Um, with depression, 50 plus with depression, 20 something with depression. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter um, on a lot of scales um, on, on where depression goes and, and who it picks on. It really doesn't. And if you haven't, you could possibly have depression later on in life. And if you've had depression right now, you may never get it again. But it does not discriminate and pop up at any moment. This is how I relate the non-discriminatory depression, pigeon poop. That's how I relate. Pigeons, do they ever discriminate on anything when they drop those bombs, those white It doesn't matter the color. It doesn't matter the make of your car, how expensive your car is. It doesn't matter on any of those fronts. It will immediately drop anything and everything on those cars at any moment of time. doesn't matter your doesn't matter where you like, I remember when I was playing street hockey once, um, when I was little, about 12, we were playing out in the street, and a friend of mine smacked the puck as hard as he could, cracked me in the head, knocked me down, totally knocked out. Finally came to, and, and I'm like in pain, and I'm sitting on the curb, and he comes up, felt really horrible, and instantly, a pigeon just pooped right on top of his head. It was like the coolest thing in the world. I felt redemption moment like this you deserve that you like stay lower than the waist but you shot it at my head on purpose you deserve that so pigeons yeah they don't discriminate depression doesn't discriminate so this is also what I want to do I'm not a doctor not a, a licensed counselor psychologist I'm not any of that and and what I want to give you is more of a biblical uh perspective on what God calls uh us to to find in um, healing of depression. That's the focus. But there's a few things I want to bring up about depression 
of clinical stuff that can possibly help you understand depression a little bit more. You okay with that? Okay, so there's four causes of depression. Four. 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 <laughs> first one. What do you think the first one is? Causes of depression. Biological. What do you got? What were you going to say? Anxiety? Yeah, anxiety. And anxiety can come the first biological. You can have a chemical imbalance in your brain. You can have an imbalance in your body. You can have chronic pain. You can have like degenerative disc uh, disorder going on in your spine that they all of a sudden break and tearing apart. And you can have chronic pain from that. You can have a nutritional deficiency. That's biological, meaning that you might need more vitamin D. You might need to get more sunlight. You need to stop being a pale kid at a computer or video game system and step outside. Enjoy the fresh air. Or you might have an deficiency. You can have a deficiencies. You can have hormone changes. That's biological. Like postpartum is real. Any woman who has had postpartum will say that was a black dog beast of a ninja that pounced on them and they don't know how to get out of it. It's a real thing. For men, it could be a testosterone deficiency. And for, for some, it could be menopause. It could be a lot of different biological things. How about the number two cause? Relational. You have problems with your uh, parents, siblings, people you know, somebody you're dating or you're married to. Those can cause anxiety. Those can cause stress. Those can cause worry. Those can lead to a deep than you ever realized. Lead you to isolation. Friendship deficiency. I, I was talking to a college student the other day that he's just like, man, I just want friends. I just want somebody to care about me. And he, he had moved here from, uh, from the other side of Phoenix, and he just is like, I don't know where to friends. And in that moment, I, I felt really bad for him, horrible for him, because he, he has a friend deficiency, and he doesn't even know where to go. Stu like, this generation doesn't know where to go for friends. They just don't. They don't know how to talk to people. Honestly, everybody doesn't know how to talk to people. We are all socially, uh, socially awkward, aren't we? We are awkward. We don't, like, let me just text you. Oh, did that text sound right? I don't know. Should I have used capitals there? Should I use an exclamation point? Or should I use an emoji to soften the blow of what I might say? Wait, I don't need to soften. That was just a hello. Like, that's how we think. We are socially awkward, which we are lacking in the friendship area. And then you might have family relational things going on or kid relational things going on. Like my kids give me anxiety constantly. They do. The third, circumstantial. Circumstances can cause depression. Maybe you've lost someone that you've loved, you cared about, somebody close to you. They're no longer on this earth. And every time the holiday season comes around or, or their birthday or uh, uh, in an anniversary or some sort of important date you remember. And if it's like a parent, there's a lot of triggers to that. Or a, a spouse, there's a lot of triggers to that. Or a child, there's a lot of triggers to that. Like my wife losing her mom two years ago. Guaranteed, this is still going to be a hard Christmas. It's very fresh in her mind. Things are already triggering her. Or it could be a trauma or an accident. An accident, a car accident. For you guys, over and over accident. Multiple car accidents. That circumstance, trauma, puts you into a depression. 
and you have financial woes. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe your job doesn't make enough money. Maybe just because of inflation, you have to find another job. Or maybe you rent a place and um, they're raising the rent on you. Those are all difficult. Or IRS coming after you. Who knows what? But circumstance, be a global pandemic messed with us, right? We're still talking about the global pandemic. We're still talking, by the way, hardly anybody ever gets COVID anymore. Doesn't make sense. Remote work. That can mess with us. Isolation. And the fourth cause of spiritual attack. Is that one real? Does, does the actually like Satan and all the, those that are about him, um, can they actually attack you? Yes. Yes. It is real. There is a spiritual enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. Anything that has to do with God, he wants to annihilate. Every bit of if you follow God, if you have hope in God, if you are about God in every single way, you are going, you're going to have Satan and everything that is about him come after you to kill your to kill to destroy anything that he can. He can't take your soul. Once you've given it to God, he, not, he can't mess with that. But he's going to destroy everything that you've enjoyed uh, of life here. He can do that. He can. Or maybe you've brought something into your life based on a movie you've watched. That can be a spiritual attack. Or listen to, that can be a spiritual attack. Or the friends you hang out with, that can be a spiritual attack. But God absolutely cares for each and every one of us. He has so much to say and desires for us to come out of the funk that we tend to find ourselves in. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to the apartment and we're going to get a man who struggled with depression. Learn from a guy who is a prophet of God. And, and what a prophet is, is somebody who is the messenger of God. God would say, hey, can you tell the, the people of Israel everything that I want to say? And if they don't get their act right, this is what come down the road. This is the punishment the discipline or whatever. So this was a man that was very in tune with God, heard God's voice, experienced God in every single way, but he battled with moments of dark depression. I want to learn from him. His name is Jeremiah. You might have heard of him. He has a message in the Old Testament. And Jeremiah, let, let me give you some context here of why he battled with depression. So at this point, the people of Israel were just horrible. They were bad. They were so messed up. And so God was like, you know what? You're not even following me. You're not even about me. You don't even care about me. So why should I protect you if you're not even caring about me? You broke your promise. I, I'm just going to back a little bit. And what he is, he, he just said, you know what? I'm going to step back. And the Babylonian empire actually came to attack the people of Israel. They surrounded Jerusalem, the major city of Israel. What do you think happens if an army the city? You have starvation inside the city, don't you? They can't get to their crops. They can't get to the fields. They can't get to their food. So what happens is the people begin to starve. What happens when people starve? Then they die. And then what happens with a bunch of dead bodies? You have, you have diseases. You have, you have a bad, bad, um, horrible seen experience going on in the streets, rotting flesh. It is nasty. It is horrible. Horrible. And then all of a sudden, Babylon breaks through the walls. They destroy all the walls. And then they just start slaughtering anybody. Killing them all. Torturing them all. 
They torch every house too. They burn every house to the ground. And then on top of that, they go into the temple and they take out all of the gold, all the silver, anything out of the temple of God. They take it to their city and then they torch the temple of God and destroy it all. The whole city flattened. And the Babylonian empire, what they did is they took the richest, smartest people of that moment in that city, and they took them as captives uh, to the city of Israel, uh, to the city that the Babylonians had. They took them captive. So you got to think Jeremiah is super depressed, isn't he? He's in a bad state. He's like, my, my family's gone. My friends are gone. Everything's destroyed. Everything, there's a dead body and a dead person, a dead person, and fire here and destruction here. I have no clue what is going on. It is horrible. It is bad. And he's in complete darkness. He's like, I don't know what to do. I feel hopeless. And we're going to look at a chapter, Lamentations chapter 3. Screen the whole time? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. You guys read up on it for me? Got all the big words out of the way? Man, big words, right? You see a man who's struggling. Mental health is bad. And I want you to notice, is this relatable? Has this ever been relatable? It says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the wrath. By the way, he's not God. I want you to understand that. He is not mad at God. He's got a lot, but it's more of he's having a conversation with God. He's wondering. And, and that's how prayer should be. It should be our hearts pouring out to God. It should be an honest conversation with God. This is how I feel. Is this right? I don't know. Can you help me? That's why when he talks about the Lord a lot, it's not that he's like, God, you did this, this, this. It's not that. It's not that. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again and again all day long. Next, please. This part you haven't read. Okay, good. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. That seems true to mental health, mental struggle. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. Next, please. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains even when I call out or cry for help. He shuts out my prayer. Broken, isn't he? It's distraught, mess. Let me show you. Just go to the next one, please. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my spirit has gone and all that I, that I had hoped from the Lord. Next. I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I will, I well remember them and my soul within me. He's sad. He's, he's broken. He's just on his knees, just hunched over, feeling like life is nothing and he can't get out of it anymore. And he's probably angry. He's upset. He's struggling. His emotions are valid, aren't they? I think they're valid. And please don't ever feel guilty if you feel emotional at times. Don't ever feel that way. If you struggle with depression or anxiety or stress or work, your emotions can be valid. It's okay. As well as his situation feels hopeless, right? So here's two things I want you to remember. Two things. One, your emotions are valid. Two, 
Understand that the situation you feel is hopeless. Wait, is that right? Somebody said no. Maybe. Is that, can that be true? Would you say those are incomplete truths? Maybe. I don't know. Let's look at the first one. The first one, your emotions are valid, right? I think that's incomplete. I think that's incomplete. What do you think it says? But they're not permanent. Your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. That's actually the, the truth. That's the understanding that Jeremiah is getting to. His emotions of how he feels of what we just read is super valid, but he begins to understand that they're not permanent. Well, think, think about your emotions for a second. Your emotions are real, and your emotions can lead to healing. And what you need to do is when you feel something, you should, you should name your emotions. Did you know that? You should, re, you should do that. So if you're struggling right now, you should say, you know what? feel. I feel hopeless. I feel sad. I feel alone. I feel, I feel struggle. You can say those things. When you don't name your emotions, what are you doing? It's cramming them inside and locking them up. And what happens when you jar up emotions? Eventually, they are going to explode. It's like, uh, we grew up with those little, you ever see those bomb bags? You ever see those? You used to get them from the ice cream, man. I don't know. Ice cream and bombs. Great connection. Um, no, honestly, it was a Southern California ghetto thing. You used to get these bomb bags. They were these silver bags. You could buy them for like a quarter. And when you, Juan knows what I'm talking about because he's from California. Um, you, you, you pinch in the middle of the bag and it breaks open like baking soda or something. And so two chemicals combine in the, the little aluminum bag and it begins to uh, expand until it explodes. Don't hold it in your hand. That's the stupidest thing in the world to do. But you, you, you throw it as it's, ex it's expanding and it explodes. That's what, that's what emotions, when we stuff it, you're putting it and you're squeezing it and then all of it's just going to be like, oh, and it's going to ruin everybody around you, right? Emotions are real. It's okay to feel how you want to feel. It's okay to feel afraid. Speaking of afraid, uh, raise your hand if you were afraid of spiders. Because I saw about six of them this morning in here. I'm just kidding. Not true. <laughs> Not true. Um, I haven't seen any spiders in here in the past five minutes. Um, there was a study. There was this uh, fun little study. If you're afraid of spiders, it would not be fun for you. They did this study. They wanted to see how uh, you reacted to spiders. So they took a bunch of people, and they split them up into four groups, four groups. And they put a group into the And in the middle of this room, there was this table. And on this table, they had a tarantula in a, a uh, cage. Just like, Help me get out. I just imagine a tarantula in a cage. Probably like a glass thing, not like a cage, bars. They can go right through. But this cage, and they told the group number one. Once the group number one went in, they said, we want you to tell us how you feel. Name how you feel. Write it down. Say it out loud. I'm scared. I feel like I a little bit. I feel like I feel anxious. I feel like they wanted to name it. Well, group comes in. They said, you know what, group number two, 
we want you to write down general observations. That's it, just general observations. Like, there's a spider in a cage, or there's a table, or that I'm afraid. That person looks cute. I want to get their number after this. Whatever it was, general observations. Group three, write down something absolutely irrelevant. Like, I love using an umbrella when it rains. Or, man, these socks, they bunch up inside of my shoe, and I want to throw them away and burn them. Whatever it was, irrelevant. Group number four, don't do anything. Go into the room. What they did is they took the, these, these four groups a week later. We're going to do the experiment again. And they want to measure like, like uh, sweating and heart rate and all of those things. They wanted to measure how the reaction would go down. If you peed a little bit, whatever it was, we want to know that. And so group number one goes in. This time, the tarantula was just on the table. Fun, right? Group number one goes in. They discovered from this experiment, because they named how they felt the first time, that they actually were less afraid of the spider this time, to the point that some people in the group were willing to touch the spider. Crazy. All the other three groups, they freaked out, panicked, ran for their lives, miserable experience for them. But that's the thing. When you name it gives the opportunity to change. When you recognize this is how I feel, you can move forward. And God, that, that gives actually the open door for God to say, man, now that you understand where you're at, you can now move forward. Just like sin, when we don't recognize that we're sinners, we have a hard time with Jesus Christ who forgives We do. You have to recognize that you are a sinner, you're messed up, I'm messed up, we are all screwed up, and that we need a Savior. Once we get to that point, then we can recognize who the Savior is, that he can actually change our lives. Same with emotions. They are, they're not permanent though. They're temporary, and you need to name them. But, but that's the important thing, right? They're not permanent. So if they're not permanent, should you be making decisions and conclusions on temporary emotions? We do that all the time. If we're struggling, if we're anxious, if we have a hard time, we give up so easy. Marriages are given up on. Jobs are given up on. Friendships are given up on so much. How about God? I'm anxious. God's not helping. We say we'll just give up on him. That's what we do. We make permanent, permanent conclusions and decisions on how we feel in the moment. That's what, and, and what do we do? We, we usually just run, we hide, or we give into substance abuse, and that never works, does it? Never works, ever. We just want to numb out. Just give me that bottle of Jack right now. Let me numb out. Let me go into this addictive habit. I just want to numb out. I just want to hide from my emotions. That's the decision I want to make. And then there's, sadly, the people that go really far and say, maybe it'd be better if I'm not here on this planet anymore. They're making a decision on temporary emotions in the moment. They're making a conclusion because they can't see past the pain right there. They can't see past the darkness. And rather than seeking God and rather than looking past that, they can't, they can't do anything. They're only seeking surface level. They're only seeing that. And they're like, maybe I just should end it all. 
And then you have Satan right there saying, hey, maybe you should. Maybe you're better off leaving. Maybe you shouldn't be on this planet. All of those voices hitting you in the head. And by the way, that's not true. Please, do you ever get like that? Realize it's not true. God loves you. God cares for you. God desires you. God created you. God never creates mistakes. He doesn't. He actually created you for a plan and a purpose and a place. He desires a relationship. He desires his children. He desires to adopt you. He desires to give you things. He desires to bless you. But because we're on a messed up planet, things happen, right? But God says, hey, I am here. I am still here. Please do not make permanent decisions on how you feel in the moment. They're valid, yes, but you don't have to decide right this minute what you're going to do. That's the first truth that Jeremiah was beginning to understand. What's the second truth? I said that um, your situation feels hopeless, but with always hope, always. There really is. There really is. This is what Jeremiah says. It's 20. Go to the next one, please. Maybe. Uh, go past it. I will remember them on my soul's downcast within me. He's broken, right? His emotions are valid. His situation looks hopeless. But then here's what's amazing. Here's what he does in the next verse. It says this. Yet this I call to mind, and there have hope. Yet, yet, this I have all of a sudden realized light bulb clicks on and he's like, wait, 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 wait. I serve a God of goodness. I serve a God of great character. I serve a God of great power. I serve a God of great mercy and hope. And, and even though my situation looks absolutely hopeless, there is hope in the one that I serve. It is not completely out. He looks his, his misery. He looks past his downcast soul. He looks past all of that and recognizes that God is there. And I believe that this is a verse that calls to mind. Deuteronomy 31 says this, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be and do not be discouraged. I have hope in the Lord because he will never leave me. He will never walk away from me. He will always be with me. He recognizes that. There's power in that. And, and it all comes from his very Holy Spirit. Knees hunched over, and all of a sudden he realizes, wait, I'm still alive. And there's still people here. They, Babylon didn't take everybody. God actually promised. He said, I will leave a remnant. I will leave a crop of people here in this place. Yes, they might be the poor and they might be the sickly people and the, the ones who aren't the most talented, but you know what? They are my people and we can start a new nation with these people. There was power in that. And Jeremiah recognizes that. And then he goes on in verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion never fail. He's powerful about that. You want to know some because for a second, because of the Lord's great love. What is love? Love is a commitment, isn't it? Love is an unconditional commitment. Love is an unbreakable commitment and a promise to you and to me. Because of God's great love, his love, he will always be with us. He will always have mercy for us, always have hope for us. God is not going to break 
his marriage commitment to us, his covenant to us. He's not. As well as, you know what compassions in Hebrew means? It means the mother's womb. What is a mom's womb? It's a safe place. It's a nurturing place. It's a nourishing place. It's a growing place. It's a warm place. Inviting place. It's a powerful place. There is so much in the mother's womb in that compassions never fail inside the womb. They don't. And that's what he's getting at. He's like, you know what? There is a place inside of my arms, inside of my, my relationship with you to hold you, to hold you. And then he goes on in verse 23. They're new every morning. Do you think hope and, and mercy and love is new every morning? It is. <laughs> You're like, sometimes, I don't know, after, after the kids are off to school, to breathe. No, they are. The fact that I get to open my eyes every morning, yeah, my body might be broken up, but my eyes will still open. My lungs will still produce some sort of breath. My mind will still flicker with, with electrical current. There's still power there. Every morning, I'm stoked that we even have today. On instantly, boom. Even though the price of eggs is ridiculous, I'm still alive. I'll still buy eggs. Costco doesn't have them. I checked. <laughs> I went today, half and half in eggs. They were out of stock. Lame. Do you think those are two staples in my house, half and half and eggs? I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion, I will wait for him. Every morning there's grace, there's goodness, there's compassion, there's mercy, there is his Holy Spirit. It is there. So what do I do? What do I do when day is dark and is struggling and I'm mentally just in a funk, in a, in a haze, in a cloud, what do I need to do? Well, you that you are depressed. You need to admit that you're anxious. You need to admit that you're alone. Maybe you need to admit that you're, you're struggling with hope and, and mercy. And, and you might not, you might not uh, recognize this, but you know what? You still have to admit this. You still have to admit where you're at. Acknowledge help, that you need help. By the way, it's not weakness to admit you need help. That's actually smart. If you don't, sadly, you will continue to struggle probably. And you might make decisions that you regret later on. Acknowledge it. And then personally, you need to pray. Go to God first. Pause. Listen to what he has to say. And you know what? Maybe after you acknowledge your, maybe you actually do need to go to a doctor. Maybe you do need medicine. Medicine is not a bad thing. It really isn't. It can turn bad, yes. But medicine can be a good thing for some people. Maybe you need a counselor. Maybe you need to talk to a friend for hours. Maybe you need a coffee shop trip with somebody. Maybe you just need to take a day off of work. Maybe you need to change your job. Maybe you need a new diet. Maybe you need more sleep. Maybe you need those physical things, different routine but I also think that you need to go to God and you need to talk to him. And you know what also you need? I know Tristan mentioned this this morning. You need people around you that believe in God. We're great at having people around us that struggle with God, don't know God, don't care about God. 
How many people in your life can you say that you know their name, that they're close with you and deep with people who love God just as much? You need community. And please don't make an excuse on community. Oh, I don't have time. Those days don't work for me. Suck it up and go meet people that believe in Jesus. You need them. They will hold up your hands and arms when you need it. They will help on a phone call. They will help go sit, go, going to sit with you and wait with you. And uh, they'll take you to the doctor if you need to go to the doctor. And they'll be around and they'll grow with you. You need people. Like I think of a few people here, they didn't recognize that they needed community until they were in community. And now that they're in community, they're like, man, I don't know what my life would be like without community. We have communities here. Some people call them small groups, life groups, neighborhood groups, whatever you want to call them. Here, they're communities. And it doesn't mean you have to study a book. It doesn't mean you have to go deep into theology. It doesn't mean those things. Maybe you do that at times. But there's other times you're just like, I just want to sit down at the table and have a conversation. I need that. So if you want to get involved in a community, we have communities. Afterwards, go out to the connect table. Find out more. And if they don't work for you on a day or a time and, and you just can't break those, those things, maybe you need to start one yourself. You don't need a Bible degree to have a group. You don't. You just need to have a willing heart to know more about Jesus and care about others and love them unconditionally. That's what you need. You need a community in your and you, here's, here's the, thing, the last thing I want to say too. When you begin to do these things, really, really pour into what God has to say and find hope, your posture will change. Have you ever seen somebody's posture when they're down and out mentally? What are they? Their shoulders are over a lot of the time. They're just like, they look like the walking dead sometimes. They're just, Miserable, miserable, what, that's not even a word, miserable. Their posture is bad. When they sit down, they slip crazy. And you wonder, like, is your back okay? Shoulders okay? Hips okay? Is your butt numb? Like, how, I don't know how you do that. My tailbone would be killing me. But they're all hunched over. And I believe Jeremiah would be hunched over too. I believe that he was probably down on his knees. He's just miserable. End it now. Let's get over it. But what do you do? Jeremiah was like this. And then all of a sudden he straightened his spine, pulled his shoulders back, lifted his hands, looked up. There's confidence all of a sudden. There's power all of a sudden. He realized that God is with him, that God cares about him, that his soul doesn't have to be downcast anymore. You can always tell somebody's posture on how they're doing mentally. Posture is always a sign the sign. Your emotions are valid, but they're not perfect. Your situation may look hopeless, but with God, there is hope. I have one more verse for you. Here it is. Romans 8 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Next, please. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, demons, present, future, any powers, neither height nor depth. Next, please. Or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
isn't it? That's hope. But here's what I want to end with. That last line. The love of God that is, what's the next word after is? Bottom line. In Christ. In Christ. I'll be completely honest with you. If you are not in Christ, you are just getting a sprinkling of hope. Sprinkling of power. You're just getting the the sawdust of power. Just put on you a little bit. And you might come in here, and I've had friends, personal friends, that come to church every day, every day and are like, man, I just get uplifted, and I love it, and it's great. And they need it every week. And every time I talk to them, I'm like, so have you given your life to Jesus yet? Can friend, we were at Starbucks. I thought, he was, I thought he was found in Jesus Christ. I thought he was in Christ. I thought he was living for Christ. I thought he was doing great things with Christ really needs Sunday, and I'm like, hey, have you actually accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he's like, no. Do I need to? And I'm like, dude, you're not even fully getting the entertainment uh, amusement park experience with Christ. You're not getting the full power. You're not getting the full hope. You're not getting the full joy or the full peace. A sample package. You're living off of samples. You need to be found in Jesus Christ. I'm like, what's stopping you? You're stepping up that gate at the amusement park and you're looking in and it looks so exciting and you're like, man, I want that. But then you're turning around, going to the parking lot and driving home. You think that's exciting. Wait till you go into the park. Wait till you go experience Jesus Christ to the fullest. You don't have to have your life all together yet. You don't. Jesus is the one who makes our lives uh, into something more. He's the one who fills us. He's the one who does it all. You, if you wait till you have it all together, you will never jump in, ever. Just like how you're never ready for marriage and you're never ready for kids. doesn't matter how much is in your bank account. doesn't matter if you have a house, nothing like that. You are never ready until you jump in, right? To marriage and to kids, those that have those two things. Same thing with Jesus. You will never experience that relationship until you are in Christ. And I have no clue who is saved here or who isn't. But I feel like we would not be a church if I didn't give the opportunity for you to be in Jesus Christ. Please do it. Please accept Jesus. And it's, it's a relationship. It's a conversation with him. It starts with a conversation. And it's a conversation every day. And his word is a conversation. And his, his Holy Spirit is, is a great conversation person. And I'm going to give that opportunity right now. I'm not going to ask for hands up. I'm not asking to come up here. I'm not asking for any of that. But I want you to really think, have I really given my life to Jesus Christ? Because if I haven't, then I'll always kind of feel hopeless. I'll always feel alone and I'll always feel isolated and I'll always feel empty. and I'll always feel afraid. But when you give your life to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I love you. I believe in you. Forgive me of my mess and my wrongs. And come into my heart. Live every day with me. I want, I want to give my life to you. I completely surrender it all to you. And I see you live. When we do that, his spirit comes into us. And his spirit speaks and guides and directs and has conversations with us. And gives us power beyond measure. That's what Jeremiah had. Jeremiah had his Holy Spirit with him. 
and he didn't, he totally forgot in the moment, wait, I got a spirit. And then he recognizes it. Wait, I'm alive. I'm all good. Everything is going to get better. But the power of God is only available when you're in Jesus Christ. That's the truth. That's what our church is about, being known by God in a familiar, belonging, loving relationship with God. So we're going to all pray together. Been giving your life to Jesus, please pray this with me. If you have, pray this anyways. Pray with us. Okay? Repeat after me. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Repeat after me, please. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth, for dying upon the cross and rising from the grave. You paid the price for my sins and you gave me an opportunity to have eternal life. I ask that you forgive me of my wrongs and my mess. I ask Jesus that you be the Lord and Savior of my life. Live every day inside I give you every. Lord, help me mentally with all the struggle that comes, anxiety and depression. I ask that you give me hope and strength and healing. I want to live for you every day, Jesus. You have my life. In your name I pray, amen.